Live, everyone. How are you doing, Mr. Automatic the Ruthless? I'm doing good, man. You know, just chilling. Just got back from the store, went shopping for the kids real quick. Now I'm here to do this. It's amazing. It's important to be on the hustle. All right. So, in order for us to do this properly, and by the way, my name is Holden Stefan Roy. Welcome to Bridge to Got. This is the show where we take interesting people such as yourself and we go through the story of your life and we extract knowledge nuggets for all the people out there in the world to learn from the experiences and just get a general better sense of who is the man behind Automatic the Ruthless. Why is he so ruthless? Will we find out? Well, we'll see. Um, with that, uh, I do have a bit of a opening question I like to do. And shout out, Sean. I see you in the house. The BTB's here. Shout out, Golden Jenny from Norway's here, too. Got a couple people watching. But for the opening question, before we get into that, I do just need to know if you could tell us where you were, like, born and where you grew up in the very beginning parts of your life. I was born and raised in Bayside, Queens, New York. Okay, cool. So with that, I have my opening question. And it's a bit of a doozy. It's a, it's a story. And when it lands, we're going to get into the conversation part with it. Um, so bear with me as I go through it. It starts with my girlfriend. And she's wa uh, washing the dishes, right? And she's got her phone out. And she's playing that Black Eyed Peas song. The, I got a feeling. Ooh. She's vibing. She's dancing. She's doing her thing. And I'm looking at her. And I'm going, when the fuck did this song become chores music? Right? Like... It's choice music now. It's it's the kind of music you put on when you go and exercise and when you're in that boring place in life and you want to go to a happier time. And the song kind of is, is serving that role in life. But why I picked that song is because, yo, I can vividly remember 10 years ago how at like the middle of the night. That is the song for the highlight moment. It would come out at the clubs or the bars or whatever. Everybody would be up and dancing and whatnot. And then 10 years later, the song never changed at all. But now we all use it as chores music and exercise music and all this kind of stuff. And it made me realize that like music, while it doesn't change, the context that surrounds the music changes a lot over our experiences in our life. It's almost like everything's kind of on a journey with it. So like all these little ones dancing to the Cardi B's in the clubs and shit have no idea that they're about to be doing chores to this one day in the future. Going to be washing dishes to the same very songs. But then I realized there's a bunch of people... They just throw that on now. All the club music is just chores music to a bunch of people right now. And it's just kind of what happens as we get older. And then that made me think about our musical journeys, right? Because they're kind of like, that's what they are as musicians. We go through this, this whole series of experiences that creates our art and whatnot. And it kind of like made me realize when you watch interviews and you talk to people, everybody runs it to the adolescent point. Uh, oh, I'm like 12 years old and I discovered this and I got into hip hop there and that but like really our musical journeys are both way bigger than just hip hop it's all the music we ever heard in our life and it starts way before when we start caring it's like from the day we're born because even in the hospital there may have been music playing that you heard type thing so with that I can remember being like four or five years old. My dad's got these gray boxes all over, like a tape deck. 
amplifiers and radios with these wires going everywhere all the way out to all these speakers and shit he'd be busting these Led Zeppelin tapes during the day at nighttime it would be club music straight from the clubs of Montreal on the radio uh, to, to lace us up like that uh, my mom's was into more like discos and musicals and that whole kind of pop vibe over there at Christmas time there was this one tape that we had that was like electronic remixes to christmas bangers and that was like present opening music so it was like the only time we ever heard it so it was like with all that like these kinds of sounds and shit kind of create like a foundation right these are like the memories and shit that kind of start off everything before i even get to have a say in what music i care about so i was hoping you could run us all the way back to the youngest automatic the ruthless that you can remember being and tell us what it was like what it sounded like to be you like the technologies, the musics, the everything, your earliest memories before you cared or had any control. All right. Well, you know, I've been musically inclined since I was a kid. And uh, it really started off, my parents were more into like the 50s, oldies, Motown style, you know. So I grew up on a lot of that. A lot of stuff I like today still, I'd be listening to Frank Sinatra, all that. And that's where it really started off, like, Dion and the Belmonts, Elvis Presley, the Four Platters, you know, like that Motown. I love the Motown growing up. That's what your parents, like, because your parents were bumping that shit around you? Like, that's how you got exposed yeah, to that's, it? that's what I got used to. Then when I started doing my own thing, it was more of the pop era. Like, I, I'm not going to lie, bro, I was into NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, all that stuff. Um, you nice. know, Z100 was a big station over by me when I was a kid. And so was Hot 97. So old school hip hop, too. Like we're talking old Biggie, Wu-Tang Clan when they first came out with Method Man with the first album to Cal. That's that's the stuff I grew up on. You're like growing up listening to Hot 97 fresh with all this hip hop breaking at the same time as everyone else. Uh, Everything else you just mentioned. That's pretty fucking cool. So you're like in the middle of this whole environment. Are you like when you're super young? Are you just like listening to the music or are you busting dances around? Are you a singer? I was busting dances. We were doing everything. I had a friend, Paul, man. We used to, we had a boy band on for a while, you know, and we knew all the dances to the No String Attached tour and, and we would do it. We'd go to Sweet Sixteens, do it, uh, people's graduation parties, uh, teen club dances. Say word. So you, you end up being in a boy band. When, when does this happen? Like, when do you oh, this, start to... That was probably when I was about 12, 11 to 12, we were doing that. Say word. So hold up. You're an 11, 12-year-old in a boy band. Does that mean when you're like five or six, are you like singing at that point? Are you already... Oh, yeah. Dancing? I was always singing. Always singing songs on the radio. Like I said... uh Grew up on the oldies. I used to, a big Elvis Presley fan. I used to sit there and sing all like, uh, I remember in fifth grade, I was in a uh, a play and I actually played Elvis Presley. It was like uh, through the years of music. And I played Elvis Presley and I did nothing but a hound dog. That's dope stills. So that's like a huge part of that. You know, uh, Sean goes, uh, automatic boy band, little new CD for the label. I like it. I, <laughs> with it. I would I would hit that I'm not gonna lie, just on the name alone, I'm a little curious. I'd be like, oh, I'm not like the ruthless making boy band. Let's check. <laughs> 
um that's super cool still um so you're like really young you're surrounded by a musical environment you're growing up in the heart of new york city which is also like extra fucking cool um and you're already into like you know singing dancing music's just in the vibe of your soul type thing so how do you guys end up forming a boy band like how do you get to the to that like point at well, such a you young know, age it, that you're it like, was just uh my friend's mom paul she worked for rca records oh say so, word so she knew like she knew what aerosmith all these people and saying 98 degrees and he would get all the cds for free so and this back you know when it was cds just came out but right after cassette tapes okay and we would bump them and we'd start singing like this i promise you and i want it that way and it started Dang to it. sound good with me and the four guys we had and so we just started doing it at sweet 16s and you know people loved it so we just kept with it i've always been an entertainer were you getting paid at 12 years old to go bus gigs at, no nah, like not 16s? at all man was it just... was just it was just for fun you know it was it was just having a good time with friends and you know, it was a good childhood with that situation. But still, to be able to effectively get gigs at 12 years old is pretty fucking impressive, if you ask me. And to do it on some... Well, we we watched the NSYNC tour. And we got good enough to impress the teenage girls. That, that's yeah. a flex. That's a flex. That's all I can it's say. Big flex, bro. <laughs> that's what it was all about back then, you know. Especially my friend Paul. My friend Paul was outrageous with it man he he i remember one time we were at teen club and he did i think it was uh i drive myself crazy by nsync and he did it for this girl he was talking to at the time and he literally sat her in a chair in the middle of a church auditorium because it was a teen club for a uh for a catholic school and he literally bro sat her in the middle did the whole dance to it and then uh slid to her and got his kiss on and everything i was like that's crazy you know and from that point on i i just went with him and we always entertained very well together yeah that's a huge start for real like that's cool so how long did your your boy band gig last for yeah a couple of years you know he kept with it for a little while longer he found some guys that were really into it he actually put out a, a single and all that me i wound up venturing off into hip-hop were you doing like original songs with the boy band? Like you guys were writing? No, I wasn't. He started to. I never did that. Mm. So, 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 you're, so you're in this point where you're coming into adolescence. You already know how to sing. You already know how to dance. You already know how to perform. That's where you're coming in. At. That's that's pretty strong start. All right. So what makes you fall for hip hop like that? Actually, my stepsister, um, Stormy, uh, she got me into my first hip-hop R&B vibe when I heard, I don't know if you even are going to remember this, but H-Town Knocking Boots. That sounds familiar. It's it an old R&B song, but I loved it. And then they were big Wu-Tang fans, her and her ex, and they got me into, uh, they got me into more of like, Method Man and uh, you know Biggie Pac back then, and it just it snowballed from that moment on, man. Like I was hooked, hooked on '90s hip hop, hooked on New York hip hop, and it just I decided when I turned 15, I want to start trying to do this. Mm. That's really that's dope. 
So how, so tell us a bit about the transition into that. Like keep in mind that people watching this or look at it from the perspective that there's people who never grew up facing the technological limitations you did. There are definitely people right now that can make a beat, record, mix, master, and export a music video to the song all on their phone. So like for the yeah. people out there, tell us a little bit about your like migration into the hip hop world and what that's like, yeah, especially I remember, being in New York. I remember when I was taking a cassette player, a little boom box, putting a blank tape in it, hit and record, having the beat playing on another boom box in the background and me and my cousin and my boy, Mike, just sitting there freestyling. You know, that's how it all started off. I started off freestyling. Right. On the corner too, you know, we used to stand on, sit on the corner of the stoop and have a bunch of people over, somebody make a beat on the door or something and everybody just start freestyling. So you're going from that world of like, just being off the dome, recording your own little demos at home based on the gear that's available for it. Are you like, like tell us a bit more about just, I guess the vibe of it. Are you just like kind of doing it for fun for a while? Are you like taking it seriously at that point? I I did it for fun, honestly, until I really moved to Florida and found out what a recording studio was. In New York, mm -hmm. I didn't know what a recording studio was. I was using Acid Pro, and, you know, the quality wasn't up to par. You know, I didn't have no booth, nothing, just an old-school tower computer with Acid, Sony Acid Pro and went in and did what we could do. Right. No, that's still innovative. Like, it's still important stuff. Like, when I was listening to your music before, I was remarking on how in the pocket you were. Like, that's what I had said to you in the chat. I'm like, but that makes a lot of sense, right? Like, if you've spent this many years being involved in music from that point, it only makes sense that now you're able to kind of bring forth that level of a mastery on the technique side of things. So, like, you're basically busting uh, through with the recording. This is all still in high school, right? Like, you're still young while you're doing this. Oh, uh, I wasn't even in high school yet. Not just, even I, in high school. I was in eighth grade. About no, to go inside. In eighth grade, you're worried about it not sounding good because of gear. Bro, in eighth grade, most of us don't even have fucking ambition, <laughs> let alone, like, <laughs> fucking gear worries. <clears throat> That's fucking dope, stills. So, uh, what happens after that? When do you move to Florida? I moved to Florida when I turned 21. Uh, I'm 35 now, so I would say I've been here maybe 13, 14 years now. So I guess uh, before we jump to Florida then, as you're going through like high school and stuff, what else are you up to in your life? Like what happens uh, else? Honestly, when I was in high school, I was actually, you know, I was hanging out with the wrong crowds, doing stupid crap, bro. Like straight up honesty. Mm -hmm. I always keep it real with everybody and tell them straight out, you know, I had problems with addiction. I got myself clean and moved away. Fair enough. I'm not always, I'm not one to like pry into people's personal stuff like that. I'm just one to try to get people's stories for as much shit as it is. You never know really what parts people want to talk about. That's fair. See, so hey, me, I'll, I'll tell you right now, bro. I like if you listen to my music, you could tell I've come to the point where I want to let that stuff out and and let people know they're not alone. That's what I really do this for. I want people to know they're not alone in this world that have gone through stuff like that and have gone through trials and tribulations that have high, I've gone through. And if one of my songs can touch one person or save somebody's life, I feel I did my job. That's blessed. You definitely hear a lot of um, 
that what you described with explicit detail in a few of your tracks where you're describing um battling addictions and whatnot so it's not that like i wasn't surprised by it per se it just you know you never know where in the story it comes up so you're basically running through whatever you're able to freestyle let's say life is going in a flowy way that isn't as focused on your current priorities you deal with the demons a little bit and then you dip out to florida is what i'm understanding yeah. And then tell us a little bit about what it's like when you get to Florida. When I got to Florida, I came here. I didn't know nobody, which, you know, is great because you get to start over fresh, bro. You get to reinvent yourself a little. All the people that know you from your past and know what you were, you can kind of put that behind you and, and start fresh and be the person you know you can be. And, and that's what it was all about. And as soon as I moved here, I found a guy named Raz Zion. Uh, he had a studio over here in Port St. Lucie. I went to him right away, talked to him. I started getting in the studio, dropping track after track on Pro Tools, all that. It was great. And uh, he wound up retiring. And then, uh, you know, I wound up going to my other friend who started his own thing, went to Full Sail University, learned everything he has to do. I wanted to drop in a mixtape there. And from that point on, I started to notice that, you know, I want to do this on my own. I want to be able to do it on my own where I don't have to pay somebody to do my music. I want to be the one to put my artwork together. I want to be the one to put my music together. And that's where I went from there. So uh, during that era, tell us a little bit more about, like, are you performing? Or are you just kind of like... I, I've performed a couple of times uh, over here at, like, little club spots and bars. You know, um, nothing crazy. I've done the coast-to-coast mixtapes. I was actually on a coast-to-coast mixtape at a point. That's dope, stills. Um, so you're basically running through it. How are you getting beats back then? Back then, I was using SoundClick. Mm. So I literally go to SoundClick, go through a bunch of different producers, pick what beats I like, and just, you know, get in the studio, record them, and drop them and see what can happen. So where did you drop them to at that time? At that time, it was more YouTube, MySpace, we'll say. <laughs> and so you're running that. Um, you're putting out a bunch of stuff. Are you networking with other people still? It's like, what's the scene like where you're at? Uh, Well, you know, maybe about, I would say... About four to five years ago, I was networking for a little while with some people from a different country. But before that, about 10 years ago, I was part of this thing in Seattle. It was a, a radio station in Seattle, Washington. And a uh, guy I introduced me to was uh, Ron. His name was Ronald McThomas. Uh, really good artist, more R&B flow. But he had this radio show and I would go on it. I would do interviews. I would even do like little uh, little promotions for him. Like, hey, this is automatic. Welcome to New Avenues Radio. You know, this is my new track, new exclusive and, and stuff like that. And they would play my tracks on rotation. I would do features with people from all over, from Seattle to California to to where you're from, Canada. I had a guy out there. I don't know if he's even uh, still doing it, but his name was Spira. Fair enough. Um, so, you're, how are you linking up with these people? Like, how does somebody up in Florida like connecting with everybody back then? I guess uh, back then it, it was all virtual, man. You know, we did the uh, the virtual thing. It was all through the computer. 
Right. So you're linking up over social media, linking up with people, and kind of just creating a bunch of songs out there. And so yeah, you're like we, almost in like that very early wave of like the the folk who are leveraging the internet for success in this. You're like not like somebody that's new to this. Yeah, exactly, man. It was uh, it was a lot of uh, I've been through a lot of different people. I've worked with a lot of different people, and you know, some of it didn't work out well. So. You know, it's it's been kind of hard. So, but you know, now that I'm here now with everything I'm doing now with BTB Records, I've never been more excited in my life. It's given me a drive back that I didn't think I had anymore. No, that's a that's a fair point. All right, still. So you're like, let's go back to that point. So you decide to like break off from working with people, and you decide to like start taking matters into your own hand. How do you go about learning the different like skills that you need to like figure out this this well, like, my independent was grind? Is, honestly, like when I started doing it on my own, wasn't that long ago. It was probably like two years ago, and I started with uh, Rap Chat, which is an app on the phone, and you know they have beats preloaded into it, and I would just sit there and freestyle over the beats. Uh, you know, quality wasn't that good, but I really didn't care about that. I was just trying to get my word out there. And, you know, the thing is, I've also lately I found out in the last couple of years that I'm actually bipolar and uh, music and writing and freestyling and all that has become more of a therapy for me. Right. So it's really the focus is not so much on the fact that you want it to be the best quality, so to speak, at this point. You're just worried about getting it out. Just this is for the sake of doing it more than actually worrying about the outcome of doing it. Well, it was more of the fact I wanted to see if even though the quality wasn't up to par, if people were going to still listen, you know, and hear my story and feel the pain I'm saying. And, you know, what exactly worked out that way? And that's the cool part about it, because you hear so many people saying, oh, if you don't have the quality, people are just going to bypass you. Right. And I wanted to take that stigma and change it, that that's not true. There are people out there that really listen to the words, not just the quality, not just the beat. They want to feel that pain. They want to try to relate or have relation to what you're saying. I'm completely on board with that sentiment. I think that's exactly what it is. And so you find that just by putting it out like that, people are more inclined to just connect with you. People were just bypassing the overall nature of any of the hurdles and just fucking with you. But you also made a lot of songs. Yeah, I have a catalog in the head. <laughs> and you're also like good at it in the sense where one of the things I was listening to about your music um was more that well like you didn't necessarily need an engineer to show people you could rap exactly i had an experience with somebody who shall go unnamed and in the session we were working on i realized this was the first time she had ever heard like unmixed vocals i'm like oh shit imagine not knowing like what you sound like Every time you hear it, it's got like, and that, like, I've been there a little bit, but like, at the end of the day, 
I think sometimes people rely a lot on the polish or the packaging. Like, what's a music video other than packaging, right? I mean, yes, there's ways you can communicate a story, but as far as, like, its relation to a song might be, it's packaging. Either the song is packaging for the video or the video is packaging for the song. It's one or the other, you know? Like, that's how this relationship works. So I, I think it's really cool that you were able to kind of just bypass that and almost become a case study for the fact that people will listen to stuff beyond it and this was mostly via youtube that people were listening or how, how are you interacting with people how are you well, actually I would also it? on rap chat you know people interact on rap chat as well you know people even ask you can even collaborate with other artists that are on rap chat right so it's also a networking tool you know and you know i never got to that point where i collabed with anybody on there because i never knew how to use that part of it but like I said, man, I just I wanted to tell my life story any way I can. And I work with what I got. I definitely appreciate that. So um, basically, you're pushing out all this stuff. How do you end up uh, linking up with Sean? And uh, actually, and the Bring the Bars group. Uh, I was searching through groups and I was having a lot of hard times with groups, uh, a lot of spamming all that and you know he i entered his group and the first thing i read is this is a group for true networkers and that meant a lot to me because it was like okay see this is showing you that he don't want the spamming he don't want all that he's not just doing this to make views and all that he's doing this because the guy's actually got a really good heart and he wants artists to be able to get out there the way they should be right and so you come into the group and you just kind of start interacting in there. I know I've seen you yeah. posting in there. Yeah, um, I was interacting for a very long time. Uh, a lot of my stuff, like I said, you know, I would post my stuff. I would check everybody else's stuff. I would comment on people's stuff. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of great artists in the Bring the Bars crew, man. Everybody's got talent. Everybody's got a gift and a, with the art, this art. And... Uh, the thing, the problem is with a lot of people is, and, and this is the thing I've heard many times in my life, oh, you should just give it up. This isn't for you, man. You does not look, look how long it's been. But to all them people, man, I never gave up. I kept following my dream and I'll keep following my dream because it's my dream. Right. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to hinder it for anybody. This is something I wanted to do with my life. This is something I wanted to be. And it's not even the fact of the money and all that. It's the fact, like I said, of relating to people, making people feel like they're not alone. I appreciate that. I mean, a lot of people can be motivated um, for whatever reasons they're motivated for. But I appreciate the idea of not letting yourself be discouraged by what other people think. Like, I'm 33, right? So, like... Yeah, there are definitely people in my life that are kind of like, oh, you still do this shit, eh? And I'm, I'm like, 35, so I get it. I'm like, yeah, still, I still smoke weed and fucking rap and live this whole life you think is debaucherous and you're just waiting for me to go have children and buy a mortgage. Everybody wants me to get a house. Like the whole world seems to want me to get mortgages in my life. I don't know why that's everyone's obsession, but that's the big one. It's not even kids. You have six kids. Yes. And you know what? We do the best we can for them. And you know, yeah, I'm not going to say we're 
on top, I'm not going to say we're on the bottom. You know, we're middle class. And, you know, it's a struggle. It's stressful, especially when you got teenagers, bro. <laughs> I don't have teenagers. I'm definitely in that other side of life where you don't have kids and you're going, that guy has six kids. Six. <laughs> yeah. Like, I-, I get it. But you know what, man? I'll tell you one thing. I would not change it for the world. Being a father has been the best thing that has ever happened to me. And uh, sorry, okay, cut. it all takes place because, you know, my father wasn't there, bro. My real dad, my biological father was not there. A lot of my problems, a lot of my choices I've made in life is because of that reason. As I got older, I started to realize that. And, um, you know, my kids are my world. Uh, I would do anything for my kids. That's why with this thing, man, you listen to a lot of my music. I talk a lot about my family, too. My family's number one. My wife and my kids. That's what I'm doing this for now. That's what it's about at this point in my life. I definitely appreciate that. So, like, now that you're, like, linked up with the Bring the Bars, you've got yourself focused, you're pushing on it, you've elevated to the next level. Like, what are some of the things you foresee yourself doing? Like, I find it interesting because how many times do you talk to somebody who just worked out a deal, they're super happy, and it's 2021, and they're not young? All sorts of interesting factors for a person. So what are some of the things, like, you would consider to be, like, words of advice from Automatic the Ruthless who has persevered this long with regards to how to deal with people, how you can navigate these waters, and, like, what you should do in your position? Well, I can tell everybody this, man, don't give up. No matter what people tell you, don't give up. If you feel this is for you and you feel you got a talent and you feel God gave you this gift for a reason, don't give up on it. Because the problem is, like I said, a lot of people give up because they're told they're not good enough or they're not going to make it. So they wound up, like you said, going, getting a mortgage, having kids, getting a regular nine to five job. Now you can have a regular nine to five job. You can have a kid, but that doesn't mean you have to give up on your dream. You just got to learn how to balance it all out. Mm. Balance is key. How do you balance everything with six kids? It's hard. You know, you know, we, you know, there's a lot of stress involved in it, but you know, what I'll do is like, uh, with, BTB records right now. Uh, you know, I was signed maybe what three weeks ago. I, I, me and KC Sean have been working night and day. I've been working night and day. He keeps in contact with me. He's doing all my mix and mastering now because it's under the label. So pretty much, I'll record a song, send him the stems. He'll send me back the mix and master product. We'll go through it. And honestly, bro, I'm already almost done with my album. Within three and a half weeks. Yeah, it's dope, stills. And so you're going to drop that album when, do you think? Uh, I'm hoping for September, October time, but we'll see how it works out. You know, we got a lot of people under the label. We got to make sure nothing goes over anybody else's premieres, you know? Mm, that's that label stuff where, unfortunately, labeling works. And I think it's interesting because nobody I talk to is on a label actively. As in, everybody's either mad independent by choice or because they don't want to be, but they can't figure it out. Both those things are true. 
or they were signed and don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so it's like, that's a real thing, eh? Like having to share the release schedule with other people and have to like, and then you also do you have to like promote other people? Like I guess now you're on this team and it becomes like this whole well, thing. Well, you, you know, rap. I have no, I, I promote my whole team and my whole team are great artists. You okay, got no. said with BTB Records, man. I feel like it's more of a family than a label. Right. Like King Canada, Casey has made it more of like a family. Uh, it's more everybody's always helping each other, always giving each other input and, and how we can make it better. And that's a big thing to me. You don't get a lot of that. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll put it out there. I was with uh, Lost Voice Music before that. And uh, it just it didn't go the way I planned it to go. Um, so, you know, uh, I do want to give what it that means in a more like I don't want you to sell out people. But like, what does that mean when you say stuff like that? Like, let's say somebody hits you up and goes, here's an opportunity. What are the things that like a person should even watch for? Well, you see, the person that gave me up the opportunity wasn't the problem. It was more in the background of what was going on. And uh, that person wound up being straight up honest with me and said, you know, I'm not doing this no more, man. It's, it's not working out. You know, you can either stay or you can come with me and I promise you'll find, well, I'll find us a place. And I was like, well, bro, you know what? You have been the one that has been in contact with me. You have been the one that has been there with me, walking me through this. So, of course, I'm going to go with you wherever you go, because that's just how I am. I'm about loyalty. Right. And I'm I'm very loyal. And I'll put his name out there. Uh, bad habit. Uh, you know, I'm very loyal to him. And I was very loyal for what he was doing for me. And, uh, you know he was very loyal to his artists and you know i felt bad the way it worked out for him as well and it, it was a, it was a hard pill to swallow but at the same time about two weeks after he told me that you know he's like i promise you we'll find a place and that's when sean hit me up and was like hey man you know i want to i want to sign you to btb records and right away i was like i'm, I'm down bro you know this is where i wanted to be originally anyway Mm. that's super dope so like i guess your, your album's gonna come out how are you guys gonna like push that well we uh i'm already on all the major platforms with my single grateful which is on spotify apple music itunes everything already it dropped last week right and pretty much that song is a very humble song it it it's called grateful for a reason because I wanted it to show why I'm grateful for this opportunity, why I'm grateful and who I'm grateful for. And, you know, I, I'm grateful for BTB records. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my wife. I'm grateful for my kids for understanding the process of all this and understanding it takes time out of your life. And it, it's, it's definitely a struggle in a relationship, you know, because you're putting a lot more time into this than them. And, you know, sometimes they can feel a little neglected. You just have to remind them that, that there's a bigger purpose to this. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I understand the bigger purpose talk. I have the bigger purpose talk. <laughs> and so I, think I think everybody does, man. No, nah, but even like it could go the other way. For all I know, like um, one time she like finds some cause that she's really fucking passionate about, right? I don't know. She's super into the planet. She just fights for indigenous shits a lot. So like, not shits, but like, you know, the issues and whatnot. And like, maybe she finds some not-for-profit. And then in that not-for-profit, it turns into a hundred hours of her life a week. I mean, I will definitely just have it paid back to me in full. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that's how I look at it. Like, hey, you know, uh, and my wife, she's been very behind me. Um, you know, she, uh, she started working with the cry cut and, we started doing T-shirts and everything for me. You know, yeah. uh, I want her to feel that she is a part of this because that's what I want. I want her to be a part of this. And the whole thing is uh, actually uh, for the BTB channel, me and her are actually doing something that's been hurt, unheard of in the reaction review world where it's me and her reviewing artist songs on the BTB group review and reaction and us playing off each other and we're going to start doing that bi-weekly mm. good old reaction review game i did that for a very long time well, i did reviews for a super long time like for like four years and then the one thing i can tell you man is don't do it very often unless you really want it to be the thing you do because it'll fuck with your relationship with music a little bit but otherwise it's a super hype idea like it's super cool that you want to just create this opportunity not just to do it because sometimes you see people and they just they just do it and you, you like i don't know if they're just doing it because there's they just like doing it for everyone or whatever but there's no rhyme or reason to it as a person who like consumes the content it's like why am i subscribed to this individual and even within my brand i was like man nobody really likes most of my content they like like 10 percent of it because of who we choose to review matters so much more than like anything else so the idea of just like focusing it on this group of artists that people in theory are supposed to be fucking with because they're the team that's not even bad at all that's a really cool move that's some, yeah like, man I, you know i want to show my love to all the artists especially underground artists people that have been trying to get out there and you know they it's just like a job bro this is how i feel about it it's not about what you know it's about who you know big facts you know really so the people that don't know these big main people they have a right to get their music reviewed and reacted to too and you know i keep it straight honest i'm not gonna sit there and say your shit's trash but at the same time i'm gonna Don't keep it that. real with you and be honest no nah, it's not about the artist i'm telling you man i have experience in this world if you go up there and talk about how they shit trash their fans are gonna come at you my guy they can't stop the fans <laughs> And but, so you got to be like that's not the reason I don't do it. it. It's more of the fact that to me, this is an art, bro. That's why my my uh, my last project that I did on YouTube before I got signed was the mind of an artist, because I wanted people to see that it, it is like an art, bro. It's like drawing a, uh, a, uh, a picture like 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 Picasso or Vincent Van Gogh or Michelangelo and it's literally a painting, bro. You're painting your own picture. You're making your own masterpiece. 
Oh, it makes total sense. I mean, I liked what I heard from it. I definitely appreciate what you're saying. I just know that if you act, so you, there's a there's an art to not liking something on the internet, and it's it's something you learn <laughs> over time. You start going, you know, fuck, not like fuck that, but you'll be like, you know what? You get this inkling inside. There's something about this shit that really bothers me. Oh yeah, man. You know, even with the main <clears throat> art that are out now, like me, my thing is I ain't with the mumble rap. I, I, I'm honest, straight up honest. I want to feel what you're saying. Like you can have a flyer beat, man, but if I can't understand you, I can't mm. really get into it. I can understand them because of slip knots and shit. I'm not even gonna lie. I don't find well, it that I, different than the growls. I agree with you there, bro. I grew up on Slipknot, uh, Cannibal Corpse, Pantera, one it's of like, my favorite bands. Those guys required some deciphering, my dude. Like, it took, like, really sitting there with the lead. Well, maybe not so much Slipknot, but Cannibal Corpse? Oh, my gosh. The first time I heard Cannibal Corpse, I was like... <laughs> and I'm like... What? Then you learn these <laughs> words, and you have to like train your ear to hear it. So I remember with Young Thug, I watched a YouTuber make fun of him, and I'm like, "Wait, what is he saying?" And then I listened to it like four times, and I realized Young Thug is not actually mumbling. Young Thug speaks with a southern tang that's like messed around and distorted. So to northern people, it sounds like mumbling. But it's and maybe that's what it is, Southern as fuck. This was some shit, to be fair. I thought this up in this year when I was really thinking about it. And I realized with him in particular, he's just like, they're not Northern. Have you ever done like customer service talking to people in the South? Yes. And, and I agree with you on that. So like, like, I've, uh, I've been, you know, you go to Georgia and it's a totally different Louisiana, let's say. Forget, forget Georgia. Louisiana, you talk to somebody, bro, half the time you can't even understand what they're saying, but you because you really have to listen because it's their their accent is so strong. Hmm. That's serious. And I mean I mean it like that just because like I thought a lot about the mumbling and I'm like listening to like little Uzi Vert and I'm like learning the dude's words and I'm like, no, he's very clearly saying those words and he's actually like fast. He's way faster than people. Like he's technically more proficient than I think a lot of people. Sometimes a backup Lil Yachty, it's a harder sell. But he's really into melody in a way yeah, where. See but that, also, I like, I grew up listening to like emo rock, so hearing a bunch of rappers wailing with auto tune just reminds me of being fifteen. As much as listening to like hard hitting hip hop, or my, it's like they both do. They're just different sides of I, being oh, fifteen one of for my, me. Well, one of my favorite brands was bands was My Chemical Romance. They're incredible, my guy. They're they're one of the greatest things that ever happened to music. Whiny as can be, <laughs> but I love it. Um, I still I still listen to Skindred. Yeah, I saw Skindred live one time. They stole the I show from them, Disturbed. I seen I seen them live at Bake Sale two years in a row. But yeah, they were, they opened for Disturbed. And they stole the show. Like, literally, by the time Disturbed came out, nobody wanted to move no more. Because Skindred just fucking wrecked. I will never forget this. They tried to make, like, everybody jump. And this one little girl refused to jump. So they stopped the show, pointed at the girl, and waited until she jumped. 
And I'm like, bro, I'll never forget that for the rest of my life. It is one of those few concert moments where you're like, this is some surreal shit that like it's not captured. Nobody except the people that were there side and it made Skindred like goats to me. Like they had no fucking regard. They went for it and then disturbed and we're talking disturbed, right? They look weak after. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I get it. There's perform like okay, like look at uh we'll go back to hip hop on this. Like if you listen to Wayne Mm. Wayne come hard on a feature, bro. Wayne he does come everything. hard on a feature. Just like when they did, what was that song? With him, Eminem, Drake forever. Yeah. Eminem was going at people's heads, but no one noticed it. I noticed it because I know Eminem, man. He, he was going at heads in his verse if you really listen closely to his verse. Yeah. Um, I feel that. I feel like this was a song saying, like, this is the goats of the game. Get the fuck out at the time. But yep. I'm not going to lie. Wayne's verse on that track is my favorite right now. Yes. Throw it on right now. Lil Wayne stole that song. I know when I was yeah. younger, I gave it to M. But as I got older. But as you get older. Yo, you, Wayne you has these to... bars where you're like, yo, that's like really clever. And like, I really like that was that was my whole experience with Lil Wayne's career. It's almost like, I'm not going to lie. The better and more comfortable I felt around the opposite gender, the more Lil Wayne makes sense to me. I agree with you, man. I, Wayne to me. And the thing about Wayne is Wayne don't write, bro. <laughs> That's the crazy part. He doesn't write, and that's talent. When you could just hop in a booth, like I watched a DVD special on him. Uh, I used to get these bootleg DVDs in New York, and I watched this special, bro, and it was him in the booth. And you would see how he creates a song, bro. He'll spit, spit, spit. He'll be like, all right, stop. He'll listen to it and then jump back into it. That's yeah, crazy. That's actually smart. Like, that's talented as hell. Because you think about it, yeah, writing is a great, great thing. But have you ever noticed when you write, sometimes it will feel like you're reading off a page? Um, I don't, I don't know. I have this very particular way of writing where since like I'm young, I would just write the first line, rap it and almost freestyle the next line until I like it, write that down, repeat the process. So every time I write the next line, it's I basic and this would take forever with really long verses, but I would rap like the whole verse or punch in halfway through the verse and rap it until I got like the next line out. So in my experience, that hadn't happened, but I also don't know if that's what other people do. I've heard a whole bunch of ways people write, but I got really fascinated. I got one guy I know down here, bro, the way he writes, I, I used to be like, how do you even do that? Like he would literally write a bar then write another bar, but in a different area of the page. And then he would cut them up, bro, like a serial killer and, and paste everything together. That's Never seen anything like that in my life. I mean, I, it makes kind of sense. I know one dude, one time I was hanging out with somebody and they're like, let's do a writing exercise. <clears throat> so I've tried that a couple of times just for fun. We basically listen to a beat. And what you don't do is you don't write bars. You write down words, just whatever words come to your mind as the beat plays. And then you compare notes with the next guy. And you're like, 
I think I've done this with Chris Chrome at least once. Um, but you do this, and then it almost like tells you what the song's about because it's whatever you guys all wrote down. And in a lot of what's fucking weird is every time I've done this, like a good chunk of the list has like been similar. And uh, half the time, you can just more or less just morph that list into the bars in order, and it'll just yeah, somehow that, make that's, sense. That's a cool way to do it, man. You know, it's all, and that's what I'm talking about. Is it's like an art, bro. It really is art. It's just you're, you're not, you you know you have a pencil, but you're not drawing a picture. Your lyrics are the picture. Yeah, I'm into that a lot. Do you read a lot? I do read a lot. Yeah, cool. I read more of uh, auto autobiographies uh you know i'm a big wrestling fan big big I, wrestling. i picked up on that you have a lot of wrestling buyers <laughs> big big wrestling fan bro so i i've read you know the rocks book i've read stone cold's book i've read jake the snake's book i actually am in the middle of right now of reading the young bucks killing the business Mm. I've read LL Cool J's book. I've read countless hours of reading on artists and, and movie stars and and TV stars. Yeah, that's a good hobby. I'm not even hating that hobby a little bit. Uh, I like to study successful people. I mean, I like to talk to people that are creative professionals of varying degrees of success and hear the story of their life three to four times a week. That's one of my current hobbies right now. We're doing that right now. But uh, <laughs> but uh, also the books, no. I read uh, Gucci Mane's book recently. Um, you know what I thought was super interesting in that book that I thought was a huge takeaway? Um, he well, really he, made made a big, he made a big transformation of his life, bro, with his health and stuff even he was talking about. That was jail. But prior to that, what I thought was like, well, jail does a lot to you, right? You clean up. He got out. He became sober. I was like, I'm going to do it different. But look, the bigger takeaway for me is when he was still in the game early on, Jeezy beef type shit, he like um, runs into Killer Mike and fucking uh, Bun B. And uh, they chop it up. Bun B costs four racks and or five racks, and Killer Mike costs fifteen hundred. Locks down the verses, and in his opinion, that was the best six thousand five hundred dollar investment he ever made in his career. And what I thought about was super significant: is that like everybody that works with famous people pays famous people to work with famous people. There has never been a story really where a guys like, bro, here's a free verse. That's not how it works with professionals. So I was no. like, that isn't saying, you know, go charge everybody for verses. It's not always politically your smartest choice. But it does mean that people, at least in a certain tier, don't do verses for free. So it's like if everybody at some point buys a verse from a famous person kind of thing, it almost puts like a realistic like tax on that shit. And I'm certain you've seen amongst your autobiographies of rappers, they kind of do this shit. They end up early in their careers copying this super significant verse or a beat or a moment happens. There's a transaction that's usually financial somewhere and then good things happen. And I thought that was the biggest takeaway I got from rapper stories. Oh yeah, man. Uh, go back to Wayne, bro. Look, look what happened to Wayne. Wasn't allowed to drop anything for what three years because of the beef with Baby, mm. and, and that was like his father. Yeah, that was a very weird situation. Um, I don't remember why it started. 
I don't remember at all. I do know that Carter Five came out and I reviewed it. <laughs> I honestly think it had to do with him trying to branch off with the whole Young Money thing, and I think Baby was a little upset about that, and it caused a little bit of tension. Mm, that makes sense. Because if you think about it, he sees everything he's taught him, he's taken now, and he's he's got. Dr- Drake was little Wayne, uh, was Wayne's Wayne. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? And come with the Nikki. And then if you look at that era, those three dominated everything. Yeah. And they're all signed to Young Money, not Cash Money. Nicki Minaj went to my high school. Say fucking word. You went to high school with Nicki Minaj? We went to Bayside High School. Did you go at the same time? I didn't know her, but she went to Bayside High School. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, she because she was in she was in Jamaica Queens and she what she traveled to Bayside because back then Jamaica was so overpopulated they started sending people to Bayside. Right. Like Fifty Cent and Ja Rule went to my middle school. Their, their names are on a plaque of a graduation plaque in my school. <laughs> That's that is one of the funniest things somebody has actually said. Think about that. 50 Cent and Jaw Rule are on a plaque in a high school commemorated together. That's but funny. That's where their beef started. I mean, they never liked each other since MS-172. Fair, but it, I mean, it's still a little funny to me. I mean, their beef is legitimately one of the most... Like, it's currently evolved into one of the most hilarious rap beefs oh, yeah. in the world. Hands Back down, in the but- days, a little scarier. In the current times, it's a little more 50 cent buying Ja Rule tickets. So it's like, bro, you're not. It's funny because, like, even in your trolling, you're giving them money and it makes it even funnier. Like, I enjoy their beef, but the fact that they're commemorated together on a plaque is equally hilarious to me. Everything yeah, about those two. It's great. When I saw it, when I, when I seen it and, and I noticed it, because that's when, you know, that's when 50 first came out. Mm. <laughs> So it was weird to see that. And, you know, I, I asked my teacher about it, and she's like, yeah, they both went here. But it seems like you're up to date with hip-hop culture in a way where um, I don't often talk to a lot of people that up to date with hip-hop culture and this side of it. Man, you- I used to. I started off by – I had this guy in New York. His name was Jacob. And we used to buy for $10. He'd give us five industry beat mixtapes he would download on his computer and sell them to us and that's how we got started mm. so you would cop industry beat mixtapes off your boy who would get them from xyz source and redistribute them to you all yeah that sounds like a blessed deal if i think about it still is back in the day ten dollars that's not bad well 15 no it wasn't bad and you know we would get the main industry beats i'm talking about when game came out so we would get all those those eminem and uh 50 cent lloyd banks and and g unit beats and and uh lunez uh jada kiss that's fair. So you were rapping on the industry beats back then, and you read a lot of books now, which is really powerful as a tool because you study the way people have success. In general, um, I find the way that you've managed to navigate through it without having to worry too much about the overall quality is a truly fascinating aspect of it, especially since you read all these books and whatnot and then still proceeded to pursue it like that. 
Um, do you find like rap chat or these apps are actually worth pursuing? Like there's a bunch honestly, of Honestly, honestly, rap chat was one of the best things that's ever happened to me. That's me keeping it real because rap chats, what started all this for me with BTB, you know, all my stuff was done on rap chat and you know, it wasn't even, I didn't have a mic. I didn't have headphones because with the headphones, that's the one thing I can say about these apps. When you plug non-studio headphones into them, like a pair of, let's say a pair of iPhone headphones, uh, it's offbeat when you rap, like throws it totally off. So I got to the point where I just started to turn my phone all the way down where you would just hear the, and then I'd rap over that. Mm. And then, so you basically couldn't even really hear the beats. No, nah, not really. So, you know, because you didn't want to pick up too much backup noise. And that's how I looked at it. I knew I didn't want to pick up too much backup of the beat coming through the phone with the vibration and everything, because then it's really going to throw it off. Right. Still, you learn how to, like, fucking record at home and put the time in and check it all out. And then there's the social media elements to it. Um, is that something you would go back to, like, pursue these different kinds of apps again? Uh, I would for, like, mixtapes and stuff, not for something I was going to put on Spotify or anything. Because, like I said, I wouldn't want to put that on Spotify. Um I feel that should be more used, like, let's say you're just going to drop, you know, some free mixtapes for people just to listen to you. That, that's where I would use that. And I would still use that to this day for free mixtapes. Mm. I know one started in Quebec, like this hit story or something. So, like, people around here definitely started one of the competitor ads to this one. I know I downloaded it. I can tell you, point. I record with BandLab, and I love it. And that's a that's a internet site. There's no that you can get an app for it and everything, but all you got to do is type in bandlab.com, pulls up the thing, you create account, go to create and create your song. That's how I just did my whole album on on Bandlab. I think it was like was it Sean who was telling me about that in his interview? I know I've heard about that before, so I know what it is, and I'm like that's fucking crazy. Stills. Like somebody was just telling me they don't have access to a DAW and they were sad because I was using my DAW. And I'm like, well, now I'm going to add that to the list of stuff. Honestly, there must be like a way to get all these things together and create a how to make music if you broke guide <laughs> or not. Yeah, broke per se, I, but I'd like, love to put a book out about that because I got a lot of ways. <laughs> tell us some of them. I mean, for you, it might not feel like whatever, but for a lot of people hearing your innovative well, hacks are actually valuable the innovative hacks are the apps man honestly those apps aren't a bad thing if you know how to run them uh you know there's a mixing and mastering tool inside rap chat after you're done recording where you can mix it and master it but not to the extent like you had a dog uh yeah. more of like you can uh enhance or add uh but the thing about rap chat, and this is the thing that I tell people to be most worried about, you can't cut in. Like, you can't spit and then jump in and spit again. You got to go straight through. Hmm. That means if you got a chorus, you're doing your chorus every single time. Yep. 
Oh, that must be weird. Can you do ad-libs? Because it sounded like you had ad-libs on a few of those or backs. I cannot really do ad-libs well. I try. No, I meant like but... logistically. Oh, yeah. Logistically, you can because you just – you could do highlights, I would say, more. What's a highlight? Well, highlights like the, the last part of the bar where you dub it up. Right. Like, you and I've learned backs. over the years <laughs> – I've learned over the years now that um, dubbing the whole verse is not the way to go anymore. I used to do like five or six dubs. Now people, I've had many people come to me saying, that's not what it's about, man, no more. People don't do that no more. You know, they do their main and then a highlight. That's it. And on the hook, they do one dub and a highlight. So that's what I started doing, and it's coming out ten times better. Yeah, I, I'm more on that pace too. Um, I do like the main, and then I call whatever you're calling highlights backs because they're like backtracks. I don't know. That's how it got taught to me. Doubles is another word for it because you're doubling parts of the song. Um, and then I do ad libs because I got really into ad libs. Ad libs to me is like say the dumbest shit ever in response to yourself. I know it sounds yeah, weird, yeah. but like listen, I, we I in, I've been in the studio and I've come out of the booth after doing an ad lib or, or or a dub, and it's only half the bar. So when you're in there, the only thing they're hearing is half that bar. So you come out and everybody's laughing and you're like, yo, what you laughing about? And they're like, yo, just listen to how funny this sounds and they'll replay it and you'll start dying, bro, because you'll be like, wow, man, if if the other part wasn't there, this would sound hilarious. Yeah, it's good times, though. I mean, the whole music, make, my girlfriend was recording a track and had her first fuck moment when the last line got missed. And I was like, Oh, that's your first one. You're going to have a lot of those in your life. Right. Like... <laughs> I remember being in the studio, like when I first started, man, when I first started working in a real studio, I have developed my flow, my style, my pocket, everything over the years. Oh, I love the dad faces when we get like proper the fuck is going on do i need to care mm, i've seen it a few times that's what just happened there <laughs> yeah you know and, and it, it really takes a, a line in not giving up and just keeping with it like i started off i couldn't hold the beat i could not hold the beat i i, I was horrible at holding the beat and then uh you know over the years i learned to do it i learned to perfect it in a way where I knew what I was doing. It's just like school, bro. You're learning. It's all learning curve. I think you're one of the first people I've ever heard describe learning to rap like school, but it is like school because it's also got boring parts. There's fun There are parts. boring parts. Yeah, no, I'm not a fan of redoing it. When you're on take 37 or some shit because you're just not, bro, I've been livid, like livid, like fuck my life i'm the worst rapper in history i don't ever want to do this again levels of fucking then you got to know then you then you're staring at it and you're like you know what the next day comes i still have to do this fucking verse (laughs) you know like you still have to do it or figure out something else i'm stubborn motherfucker so i just redo it just do them um 
But man, there's parts of it that I find really excruciatingly com- well. Now it's easy, but for a long time it wasn't easy. No, it wasn't. wasn't easy. Oh my fucking god! I felt like it was the hardest. I mean, there's still parts of it that are hard, but in general, I find it way simpler, or I care yeah. less about things that I would have cared about. Either way, yeah. I'm running it. Exactly. You know, you just gotta run it, and you know, what what comes of it comes of it. Now you don't know, man. You could you could put something out, and it could go nowhere. But you could put something out, bro, and it could be that one hit. You know what I'm saying? And and that's where I'm going to get into, you know, you hear about these one-hit wonders. Yeah, they were one-hit wonders. People make fun of one-hit wonders. But how can you really make fun of somebody that made it, bro? They, even though it was one hit, it was still one hit. People really make fun of one-hit wonders? I mean, I feel yeah. like the term is Look how many people you. make fun of Vanilla Ice, bro. I don't think they're making fun of him because he's a one-hit wonder. I think they're making fun of him because if you watch that music video, it's very easy to come to reasons why you want to make fun of him. If you break down the... He is debatably, and I'm not saying it, it it's a debatable point that he's an industry plant. Debatable. Is he? I don't know. Guy could rap, but like, man, some of the bars in that fucking Ice Ice Baby song feel so disjointed and weird. Okay? They just feel... It feels weird. And that is like a polished track that he spent like three years at a club spitting to perfection. Okay, like it wasn't like a random fucking track. So like, I don't know, man. It's really easy to be like, girls walk by where less than... That is an easy line to make fun of inherently yeah. regardless of the one hit wonderness. Plus he had two hits. He had the, he had at least another hit. I don't remember. <laughs> Uh, play that fucking music, white boy. Like you took that shit and like fucking turned it into. Anyway, maybe it wasn't as big a hit, but listen, I, I'm not. I'm not a vanilla ice hater. I think there's brilliance in how comedically ridiculous he is. Oh, neither am I. Like I loved it. I grew up on it. You know what I'm saying? Like I grew up on that. I grew up on uh, one of my favorite songs. You know, a lot of people. Uh, Cause it's a Christmas song, but uh, Christmas in Hollis by Run DMC. Mm. That's a, there's not even a lot of Christmas rap songs, so it's, it's dope that you brought that up. Yeah, and it was Christmas in Hollis. It's about Christmas in the hood of Queens, where I'm from. So it definitely uh, resonated. Oh, hold on. All right. Yeah, there you go. It, I had to plug my charger in. Uh, it definitely resonated with me uh, in that sense. Just like, uh, you know, one of my favorite, a lot of my favorite artists are from Queens because that's what I grew up listening to. Like, rest in peace, Havoc from Mob Deep. I could, I love Mob Deep. I like Mob Deep a lot too. We just had a comment in response to the one hit wonder thing you said. Uh, this is from Lindell Williams. He says. If your one-hit wonder is a blunder, as in you made a mistake and it isn't like you tried to be that, you just accidentally became a one-hit wonder on some dumb shit, that's kind of when people make fun of you. Yes. Um, I think that's fair. That's actually kind of... If you, like... Like, if you were, like, I'm the world's most serious artist and you got number one, like, because they laughed at you or you're, like, the hamster dance. Like, the hamster dance was a number one hit in Canada for six weeks. For six weeks weeks my country's number one hit was the hamster dance (laughs) well that's like uh what's it over here uh crazy frog in in america was like the number one i mean 
okay, I say that because I put Crazy Frog on the other day and I went down a Crazy Frog rabbit hole in 2021 and I'm like, you know what? This holds the fuck up. I'm down. I'm in. I'm sold on Crazy Frog now. And they still release music to this day. But you're right. They were kind of a niche thing too. <clears throat> Just like, uh, what's the, uh, was it Eiffel 65 with that blue song? Yeah, um, that was an accident. That's another one. Yeah, that's an amazing song. That is a, I was 12 or so when that came out. That is a great track. I will and I love that song. I used to dance to it as a kid. You know, it was catchy. Oh, one more track. One more question about dance that I forgot that came in earlier. Do you incorporate dance into what you do now? Because you got that background. I have, not, I have not tried to do that since I did the boy band thing. I don't know with my height and my age at this point, if I could still bust a move. <laughs> but you can bust like a halfway move, you know, like a, a little on rhythm, a little groove, a little move around, you know. You know yeah, you know, uh, the, the, what we call it, what we call it is uh, the, the New York bop. Yeah, a little bop to it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my girlfriend's saying you should do it with your teenagers. Oh, shit. Do you make TikToks with your teenagers? No, I do not. Uh, my teenagers do. Uh, they be putting me in their videos sometimes, just make fun of me, but that that's about it. <laughs> Bro, run that. Get them to open you a TikTok and get them to make fun of you. Bro, done. Now that you're going to be on DistroKid, you're on TikTok. Or whatever you guys use. So your 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 son's on TikTok now. So now what you do is you get your kids to make fun of you for half of them, and then you drop music for the other half of them. Done. You're that's a not a sensation. bad idea, actually. Well, I'm like I don't have access to teenagers, bro. If I had access to teenagers, I'd be famous on TikTok right now because I'd let them make all the decisions. I'm I'd be like I'll just do it. I'm I'm cool. I'll do the dumb shit. You yo I gotta I gotta do that dance. Okay, let's do it. You tell me, little fourteen-year-olds, how to approach this TikTok landscape. Yeah, because we don't know. Fuck, man! I go on TikTok, and it shows me stuff, and it's it's kind of diverse. It pays attention to me, and it's not telling me how to be cool on TikTok. <laughs> it's trying to keep me watching shit on TikTok, and I'm like, this isn't helpful. None of this shit, but um. Yeah, no, that's a cool it idea, bro. Because like I'd be scrolling through it when I'm bored, and I'd be laughing at some of the videos. Some of them, some of these, uh, they got these freestyle rappers on there, bro. Like there's this one country guy. He does like country mashups, and he's raw. Mm. That's actually something I've dabbled in. I try to just do kind of like very low thought off the domes like good morning automatic the ruthless i see you on. that's what i would do on tiktok i just start fucking and then i tag you in it i'm trying to get more rappers on tiktok so we can just like rap at each other on tiktok like like you know that's and they have a lot of that where uh i don't know you ever heard of uh what's his name oh, man token yes I'm aware of Token's moves on. He does, he's he does smart. stuff on TikTok where he'll rap and then he'll have somebody finish it off or jump in the middle and then he'll come back and they'll finish it off. And I've been seeing a lot of these videos. But it's more like I realized if you go on TikTok and treat it like a bunch of 14-year-olds treat Vine, like you're like 
12 people that know each other and you matter and you don't matter, it doesn't matter because 12 people think, you know, like you act like you do and you just start like, I've got this like fantasy in my head about how you could like get a bunch of like fucking people that probably shouldn't be on TikTok in the eyes of young people. Just like rapping like we were like fucking the illest, not even the illest in a cool way, but just like, yo, I see automatic there, you dropping this shit, you know, just fucking rap about it. Rap about like the things we're doing, like they're the hottest news ever. Uh, what I want to do, I want to do a, a video where I have the kids. I might do that on TikTok. Oh, shit, you can do your entire do, like, reaction show on TikTok. Then I think about it more critically, like they just added a three minute um, fucking thing, uh, a three minute option. But even then, with one minute, you put up a green screen and an album cover behind you, which you can do in the app. You run, like, a King Canada song. You fucking run your little chit-chat. And boom, in a minute, snapped it out. And that's, like, the mini. That's not a bad idea either. But what I was talking about is having the kids, like, record me and throw words at me. And I just keep freestyling over beats. Bro, that's your live. That's your TikTok live video. Actually, you do that on Twitch right now. You don't even have to wait for that on TikTok. You yeah. can go on Twitch and fucking do that shit. Oh, you should try that out a little bit. You might have fun on Twitch. And then King Canada will be forced to show up on your Twitch too. And we can slowly teach him how cool Twitch is. Twitch is the future. Um, now, I don't know. I get excited about this kind of stuff. I like talking about marketing campaigns. Um that's really cool that you're so open to technology and whatnot what other stuff do you have like planned out or what are the kind of some of the things you want to achieve with all of this um i was thinking like i've been reading up on this stuff like i want to try to get a tracking movie or a, a tv show commercial i want to try to venture off into all different things hmm. syndication is fucking cool um how do you do that in the states I don't know how to, I know how I do it in Canada, but it's not the same. Um, pretty much what you do is you pretty much put out something like, you, let's say a new movie's coming out. Uh, like what they did with, uh, did you hear the Space Jam soundtrack yet? I have not, but. There's a song on there, bro, by uh, Joyner Lucas. And it's amazing. And you can see why they picked the song. Because it matched up so well with what the movie was about. Mm. Just like Eminem when he did the Venom song for Venom. So you're saying it's almost like if you see movies and shit coming, you want to almost bait them by making songs that make sense for them. Hold on. That's what I mean. Sorry, my thing uh, acted up. No, it's all good. So it sounds like you're saying like it's almost like you want to make sure that if you want to be in particular kinds of movies, you want to make sure you have songs that make sense for those kinds of movies when they're relevant. Exactly. And, and, and the thing is, you know, a lot of people look at uh, what was that rap song for the 411 pain? Like, that thing was just a jingle where a dude rap, but look, look what it became at that time. I'm not a thousand percent sure I know what that one is, but I'm going to peep that after. Um, no, but I hear what you're saying. Um, King Canada will be the first one to tune into Twitch for real. Even he came through and said that. So if you want to go on Twitch and you want to wrap those bars with your daughter, King Canada, come through. I'll come through. And that'll give you a chance to get up there and get up on the lines. But also your TikTok ideas is lit too. All of this stuff. So, 
Honestly, like, I like the fact that you're so open-minded about this shit. Maybe yeah. that's what having kids does, though. You're kind of, like, forced into it. Like, you, you had no choice. You have six daughters. You, you're not winning. Well, I got I got two daughters. Oh, I got two daughters. Old, Sorry, six kids. <laughs> oh, shit. So you're coming for a different wave after that, right? Yeah, I'm just... just it's everywhere, bro. <laughs> and then my, my, my oldest son, he's a, he's a gamer. So he's, like, He's really good with the uh, the Warzone. Um, I have not played it, but I'm cognizant of it in the same level of you being cognizant of it. That I know it's a, a thing people do on the internet together and shoot shit or whatever. Yeah, but he's he's good, man. Like he one scoping people. I'd be watching him. I'd be like, damn, bro, you should be doing this professionally. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's got a lean to it, even if it's not so much the direct gaming element of it, where I think that's where a lot of parents get distracted. They miss out on the influencer side of the training. So by being like a gamer, right, let's say you're in, you do this for like three, four years straight on a religious schedule. Bro, that's a fucking teenager that just learned how to follow a shift, you know, learn how to adhere to a schedule and gain discipline. To me, that's like a huge asset, you know. Like it's just a matter yes. of like seeing the other sides that come with it. But yeah, no, that's really dope. They encourage that for real. Oh, yeah, man. From everything. Just, uh, you know, I encourage, I encourage them to do whatever they want, whatever their dream is. Follow it. Like that's my biggest thing. Like, you know, do what you got to do with school because I've learned in my life, you know, not being. And putting my all in school has put me in positions where I don't want to be in life. Uh, so, you know, I don't want them to go through that. So a lot of it is me trying to teach them, you know, but again, teenagers are going to be teenagers. They're going to take their own path. And, uh, you know. That is the truest statement ever. Teenagers will be teenagers in the same. Because. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think a lot about having kids, so um, I just know that no matter what I do, that's going to come too, right? Like, it's not just the part where they pay. It's great when they're younger, bro. It's when they turn teenagers is when, you know, everything, you know, moods change, hormones come into play, and that, that's part of it, though. And you just got to remember, when you, you become a parent, you got to remember what it was like to be a teenager, what it was like to be a kid, which... I try to do as best as I can because I used to say to my parents, it's like, oh, you forgot what it was like to be a kid. Mm. Do your kids ever say that to you? Yeah, you know, I get it. Especially when I'm yelling at them or, or telling them something they don't want to hear. So, yeah, it, it happens. But, you know, I get where they're coming from. And then when I hear it, I kind of look at myself a little and I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to be that. Ah, that's amazing it gives like power to the fact that the kids use their voice and you're like oh oh man that stuff stills honestly so what are some of your like current musical like influences currently uh still man the 90s hip-hop scene uh it always will be and and that's the thing with me like i think about it my biggest influencer to me and to me is one of the best MCs of all time in my eyes is method man right i agree with that method man's ridiculous he's my favorite woo at least yeah uh, i don't definitely. know where i put him in the whole pecking order but he's he's up there and then you know like 
if I want something where I want to hear about life, I'm throwing on some pop, you know, that poeticness of him really resonates with me. Um, Eminem too. Eminem, you know, he does some silly shit sometimes, but when he gets deep, bro, he gets deep. And, uh, even if he tries to make it funny, you can still feel it. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not as into his newer stuff, but I appreciate where you're coming from. And I feel like for most of his career, I'm able to just say, yeah, I'm into the silly shit. I'm fine with it. His last album, it was harder. I wasn't that into it. But every other album I could live with. <clears throat> I don't know. I, have a, I, I feel like my relationship with Eminem changed as I got older. And I feel yeah. like Eminem didn't want to get older. And that got kind of weird where it's like, bro, like, I want to, why do you want to be so young? You know, like, I don't get Grow it. Grow with us. <laughs> that was like my biggest feeling with him. But at the same time, I feel like for people who struggle with addiction, what Eminem brings to the table for that entire population is like astronomically huge and i don't really connect with him in that way so for like the last decade it's been like a huge focus for him and it's not maybe like and that's, probably like, that's like your 15th you know like but yeah, at the same that's time probably why i still connect with him and you know seeing the trials and tribulations he faced to get clean like you know who got him clean right uh who i don't want to be wrong Ooh. I, I would have been wrong if I guessed. That's dope. Elton John is the one that got Eminem clean off drugs. That sounds like a hip-hop trivia question if I ever heard one. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, the whole thing was, if you remember, uh, he was very, Elton John was very hurt by Eminem. And then Eminem came out on the award show, apologized, hugged him. And ever since that moment, they became like best friends. The face-off question, lol. I'm like, I had a feeling I'd heard that before. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, hey, I was on the face-off. I got an Eminem question, got the question right, but totally missed the year it came out. <laughs> mm, I watched that shit. I just know I was yelling at the fucking YouTube, and I'll take on Kronos any day of the week. Game on, let's get it. <laughs> any day of the week, I'm not presently streaming. Any of my free days of the week. <laughs> But I was hey, like yelling at the fucking thing. I was very enamored with the vibe. Get on season two. Yeah, I did. I brought it up because he was in the chat. <laughs> That's half the reason <laughs> I said that. <laughs> um, but like, nah, for real, that sounds like super fun. I'm like, listen, I'll go find other people. We'll bring in some people from my side of the coin and we'll see who can hip hop trivia better. I don't really know. I don't know who can be like hip-hop triviaing really well i have a few contenders but then like he'd be dropping new ones too right so we got to be talking like a spectrum of knowledge of hip-hop spanning like four fucking decades because y'all be dropping like cool herp questions as fucking much as rick ross questions so it wasn't like you know little deals you know it was all over the place i really was into this um but it's all right chronos is cool i thought with chronos I fucks with all of the vibe of it. Um, and you're going to start your own reaction show with them. Um, are there other shows and things like that that you would want to launch in a perfect world? Um, I, I was talking to Sean about it, and I would love to see them do, like, a freestyle show where people just come on 
Down. Yeah, you should do that. Bring, bring the buyers. You should totally do that. Just not on Tuesdays. <laughs> um, no, for real. I'm I'm support that. We do that Tuesdays. That's why I said the Tuesdays thing. Tuesday nights on uh, Twitch, we stream it and we do it on Zoom, and it's fucking blessed. We just play. Okay, it kind of has to be freestyles because the latency and shit. But man just plays the beats and uh, we freestyle over them and it's a blessed vibe. And uh, we've done it for like six months now. Um, so, yo, bring the bar. Start the cypher thing. Get it going. We want to see it too. If y'all want to see it, bring the bar cypher on Twitch. You know, let, let the man know. Make sure to throw in that on Twitch part. You know, just don't don't leave that part out when you tell them about it. <laughs> I'm into I'm I'm into peer pressure. I don't care what anyone says. Peer pressure is hella useful. If enough people peer pressure people, people change shit. That's like kind of, like <laughs> kind of how it works a little bit. Um, like I said, cool. he's got he he's taken this bring the bars thing, man, and he's turned it into something unbelievable. Same word. He's like it's in the works and it's going to be hosted by Sprite the MC. Say yeah. word. That's hey. some fucking dope shit, man. That's Dude, amazing. That's- on Twitch. That was my other part. <laughs> if you need help with that, let me know. I'll help you with it. I, I wrote a Twitch guide if you want it. I made a, I made a Twitch guide. Um, but yeah, nah, for real, that's cool. I would like to see that. So other than that, is there any like other stuff that you had that you want to share with the people that you think would be cool and worth sharing? Well, you know, um, pretty much, man. <laughs> It's it's like I said, with this whole BTB thing, uh, I'm very grateful for everything the Bring the Bars group has brought my way. And uh, I can tell people, man, if you're, if you're willing to network and really network, I'm not talking about network a couple days and then start spamming the crap out of crap. Uh, really network, it's a place to be noticed. Yeah. It definitely, I don't know that I, I don't look at any of the links. I'm going to be real. But when people ask questions, I answer. I'm into the question yeah. game. Link game, it is what it is. But the question part and the comment part, I find that really riveting. The discussions, those are really cool. Yeah, man. Seeing people's you know, thoughts on show- CD Baby versus Distro Sorry, go on. Yeah, what I love about it is the fact that you know people are really listening and, and people are really coming together from all over the place to do what we love, music. I like it too. I mean, I like to watch the group. I participate in some chats. Apparently, I was in the top 10 interactors a couple of weeks. I'm like, there's no fucking way this week. I barely commented at all. Uh, but like, the, I guess the week's young. I don't know. I like the whole system of it. Ralph fucks with your energy, automatic, the ruthless. I look forward to seeing the kind of new music you, you're coming with. Are you guys going to be doing videos? Is that in your repertoire? Uh, we are. I am actually working on uh, setting up the grateful video as we speak. I've been writing down ideas for it. Um, when it comes out, it is going to be an amazing video. It's going to be a lot different than a lot of the videos you see these days with effects and all that. It's going to be more natural. I want it to be more natural. Uh, you know, like, cause it's, it's a humble thing. And I think I want to keep it that humble way where pretty much it would be me 
walking through, let's say where I'm from, towards St. Lucie, and just rapping and, and giving people dap, saying what I'm grateful for, and then them all following behind after everybody I dap and getting a whole crowd behind me before the end. That's a blessed video concept. Yeah, that's so cool. I look forward to seeing that as kind well. Kind of like uh, you ever see Forrest Gump when he's running and all the people are behind him? Yeah. Kind of like that's a good visual still. Um, you're going to grow the beard for it? Get the Forrest Gump beard for the video? No, I ain't going that far. I've been there before, but with work and everything, I I'm, I actually got to shave tonight because I got work tomorrow, and they're going to make me – they're not going to let me go to work like this. Last time I went to work like this, they literally made me – they gave me a razor and made me go in the bathroom and shave. Say a word. What kind of work do you do? I work at McDonald's overnights oof that is some harsh ass shit to make you go shave it like they gave you well, a razor i get where they're coming from because you're working around food right 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 but they gave you a razor and said go shave it oh my gosh that <laughs> yeah, is a man. serious level of like on hand ready to go no, <laughs> i respect the hustle um yeah i appreciate you coming through <clears throat> i'm not really like sure what i else appreciate you having me I feel like you're a very passionate person with like a really amazing soul and I totally get why you make a lot of sense over on uh, Bring the Bars and I'm glad to see you there. I was glad to see you get excited and your excitement was so big, man. Very big excitement when you got outside like just the humility in it, watching you just like your appreciation for shit. It's really natural so it really just comes through beyond just, you know, what you're saying here. I'm, I guess I've seen it and just your character so it's really cool to like yeah. talk to you and get to know you a bit better like that yeah Thank definitely you. man thanks to all the people out there that are watching too because you know without y'all it's not really a show or anything it's more just people talking which i like talking but it's more fun when people are watching is all i'm saying and so thanks for the comments and and coming through Thank you all the people in the future that are going to watch this because that's also important. You might not have been here now, but you still matter person over there. So like, follow, subscribe, please, and all that good shit depending on your platform and all that fun stuff. Special thanks to the patrons. It's Milgan Amsey, Chris Badger, Jonathan Barnes, Teacher Black, Kirk, Kim, and William Scribble. The tough support we do. If you want to support what we do too, patreon.com slash behind that suit. On that note, anyone live. Oh, all of your links have been are going to be down below. All the people go and follow the, the links and stuff so that'll all be there too and thank you again automatic the ruthless you know live long and prosper everyone yes and then i appreciate you having me holding i had a great time on the show man i'm glad to have you there <laughs> imagine if your girlfriend gave you a razor and told you to go manscape that is that is the comment we're leaving on <laughs> <laughs> 